Hi, everyone. This is Trish Kendall, your host for the Choose and Become interview series. I'm excited today to have with me my guest, Carly Corrigan. Carly, say hi really quick. So Carly is the director of Student Athlete Development Program at Fresno State University. Uh, but before we dive into Carly, for those that are new to the show or new to this community, I just want to set some context. I made five critical choices on my journey from the pit of despair, which Carly and I have talked about, to the peak of success, enduring success, lasting success. So those five critical choices, and you'll hear this come out in this interview, the first one is, is I picked up the phone. That was making a first choice. The second choice I made was to commit to a two-way agreement. The third choice was to build trust in myself and then inspire the trust of others. The fourth critical choice was to create community and belonging. And my fifth choice was finally to embrace my boundless capacity to give love and to receive love. So in this interview series, I get to interview people I admire, people like Carly, to, to get more lessons and stories and experiences to learn about their journeys to enduring success. So without further ado, Carly, will you share, especially with those who don't know you, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so thank you, Trish, for having me um, on here today. I'm super excited. Um, it's been a, a, a while since our first introduction, so I'm excited to um, be in this, in your space, and kind of share a little bit about my story. But um, I am originally born and raised in the Chicagoland area. I now live in California, and I'm super um, fortunate to be in the position professionally I am, working for Fresno State Athletics. Um, but in addition to that, to be in a place where a lot of what you just mentioned in those those five choices have really been present throughout my early adulthood. And I think they have been critical in getting me to kind of where I am, even though in the moment they don't always seem like that's where you're going to end up. So um, I'm super excited to be here today. Um, and yeah, thanks again, Trish. Well, how about this? So Carly, I feel lucky because we were connected probably about a year and a half ago by one of your athletes at the time. She was on the equestrian team and she's like, oh my gosh, you and Carly have to meet. And I was super lucky because we collaborated together as you were designing and executing what I think we can say was an incredibly or is an incredibly successful development program, Bulldog Built. And that will probably get infused in here somehow. But for sure, in that collaboration with you, I observed your um, definition of success. I observed how you want to and do elevate the success of those around you. And I observed that you went on a journey to success. And so why don't we just start with everybody has their own definition of success. But for you, when you think about creating enduring success. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, so I think that it, it hopefully is fairly similar to where um, I mentioned before to you when I think about that. But um, I think that for me, what enduring success really means is just the ability to continue to 
not only achieve um, achieve kind of tangible outcomes, but also to continue to feel like you are satisfying your own drives and your own needs as an individual. So I think whether that's the power of the relationships in your life, um, personal, professional, kind of whatever that looks like, as well as making you know, things come to fruition. So like you mentioned, um, a relationship that I had in, an, in naturally with a student athlete of um, being kind of in the position that I was um, as an administrator and, and her knowing what I did and kind of knowing me a little bit very loosely, you know, she then introduced me to you. And so I think that's the power of relationships and being able to share. Um, and that's, that's a point of success to me. So just the ability for somebody to kind of be able to read my values and who I am, because that's the way that I would show up in a space for her allowed us to be introduced. So like, that's a point of success in my opinion. And I think that enduring success is super indicative of that on a continual basis, you know, and and it's not always in the professional space. Sometimes it's in the personal space. You meet someone, you come across someone and you're just like, wow, like this is a really trans transformational conversation I just had. Um, And so I think like not looking at success linearly too is Mm. not linear, but continuous, I think is really um, kind of a point of enduring success also, because you're going to have to every time you have a new goal that you want to achieve leading to that, you know, definition of success, you're going to have to start somewhere. And so um, I think that kind of those, those would be like my main, I guess, points of, you know, that's awesome. success. And I totally appreciate the, the thought and the idea of continuous. It is yeah. continuous. And oh my gosh. I, I mean, when we get to where we think we're like, oh, and then it's like, wait a minute, yeah. there's more there's more or I want there to be I want there to be more so the first critical choice I made was to pick up the phone now for me that was a practical yet profound Mm -hmm. choice I was all the things and 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 was just you know (laughs) so So picking up the phone was uh, my first choice. What I realized is that in order to create success, it really starts with making a first choice. Nobody can choose for us. And so I am curious when you reflect on your journey, what is a first choice you've made that has impacted your journey to success? Uh, that's, it's a pretty simple one that I think has, it kind of set the tone for, um, a lot of the choices that I've made or the decision or the choices that I've been presented with. Um, I think, you know, being presented with a choice is one thing, making a choice is another. And so, um, anytime you have a choice, I think that's, there's power in that. So my, my first choice was when I decided 10 plus years ago to play division one basketball. And I will never forget that feeling of sitting at the kitchen table when the coach that recruited me was at my house and my mom made dinner. And it was like the moment that I had been working super, super hard for and that my parents had sacrificed for and um, kind of all of those things you hear about, like living in that moment. And I will never forget, you know, walking her out the front door and closing the door behind her and being like, oh my gosh, like I have like a really big girl choice to make right now. And 
you know, when you work for something and then you have the opportunity to live it, sometimes I don't know that you're prepared for what that feeling is, you know, and um, I'll never forget that feeling. And I've had that feeling in other contexts as I've grown up and it's been professionally, it's been personally, you know, that just that like that excited, fearful feeling. And that was what I felt in that moment. But I think that making the choice to play somewhere that I never wanted to go, I never expected to go, that I knew was going to physically push me beyond, you know, maybe what I would have had that traditional thought of success at, like being the all-time this or the all-time that, or, you know, the starter for four years, like I knew that was, it was going to push me. And so, you know, being able to walk into that situation and I think I had a successful experience. Um, you know, again, that's, that's, um, relative to what you think success is. And so, um, that choice when I've been faced with it in the future or in, you know, other contexts, and I've had that same feeling, I'm like, okay, I know it's going to work out. It's been, I know this feeling. Yeah. I know this feeling and there is a lot of work and there's probably some, some stress and some hard times, but it's going to pay off because I will never forget graduating and being like, wow, like I, like I did this, I did this and I'm super just like, I was super proud of myself at that time. And then every time I've had that feeling when I decided to move across the country by myself, 2,500 miles from anybody that I knew, um, it was that same fearful, excited. And now I've been here for five years and, um, I, it's been an amazing you know, part of my life. So you're feeling it. Uh, I love how you say uh, the experience was successful. You, through the experience of making the choice and then the four years playing at that college for that team, for that coach with those teammates, you didn't even say the outcome. It was the experience was successful. Yeah. And, and I think more times than not, we think about the outcome of versus the experience. Like the experience is the outcome. Exactly. It is. And without that experience, you know, I, I don't think that I would have been able to achieve the things that I have, you know, statistically or whatever, however you want to, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, however you measure the traditional. Yeah, however you want to measure. But I just think that in, in going through that experience and finding success, through that, I mean, it, it taught me how to really talk to people and connect with people. And we're going to talk a lot about love. And that has a lot to do with those teammates during that time. And um, yeah, so I just, I, I think that that, I, I think that's huge. Uh, you can answer this question, yes or no, or I don't know, in simply just one of those words, or you can expand. Is there a first choice? that you're contemplating now? I would say I'm probably, um, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe, great, look at that. Oftentimes, right, if you would said it, I made a first choice here, which helped me make a first choice here, which ultimately at some point you will have another a first choice yeah. to make. Okay. I'm going to keep us going. Okay. The uh, the second critical choice I made was to commit to a two-way agreement. Now, to just I, I want to set a little bit more context to this for the community that, that doesn't watch the show yet. 
when I think about a two-way agreement, and oh my gosh, you're like in it when you think about the student athletes and your role at Fresno State University and being an athlete. But I think about two people or two parties, two entities coming together with the with a mutually beneficial desired outcome. We are in this together for a mutually beneficial desired outcome. I'm going to give, you're going to give, and we're going to get, but we got to commit to this thing. <laughs> I think we also enter into two agreements all the time, informally or formally, but the power is when we commit to them. And what I experienced when I committed to the two-way agreement with my sister at the time when I was 21 was that actions that started with, I have to do this, transformed to, I want to do this. Yeah. What is a two-way agreement that you've entered into that has made an impact on your journey? And what did you give and what did you get? Yeah. Um, I would say, I would say the opportunity to come to California in the first place for a job um, that was, you know, to agreement with an employer and um, mm -hmm. and myself, which is a very formal version of a two-way agreement. Yeah. Um, well, that's but that is keep going because we yeah. enter into this like, yeah, two parties. You made an agreement. Yeah, they they hired me and I wanted to be here, so that that was kind of the agreement. But um, I think the what it has given me. Right, what it's given me and what I've or, yeah, yeah, keep going. Yeah, what you know, what you gave, what you got, just your perspective yeah. on how it's impacted you. Yeah. So what I, you know, through that agreement or that choice of mine, I gave up um kind of being with the opportunity to be with my family um and be away from people that I know and love and i have the best family and the best support system you could possibly ever dream of um and so i gave up you know those quality moments and holidays and small events and you know just things like that being on a boat on the lake in the summer every weekend that type of stuff um but again like that was has always been my choice um and i think that what i've really gained from that is just a much greater perspective of when when you when you want something and you have a goal like really what can happen when you commit to it and you you go after it and so mm -hmm. you know i didn't know when i started here five years ago that i would be in the position that i am now and thankfully i am um but at the same time it's like there's so many there's so many opportunities when you allow or you open yourself to be in those types of environments. And so what, you know, what I've gained is just amazing mentorship relationships, amazing friendships. And really, I think above kind of all of that is a better understanding of myself because I didn't have, you know, the safety nets of my family and friends or, or being able to just go to my parents' house, you know? And oh. I think personally, I needed that, you know, I needed to be, I, I came from being on a team, which is whether you like it or not, that's very much. So what that is, that comfort, um, not always pretty, but there's always that level of like comfort. It's family, like you're in yeah, it, you're exactly. in it <laughs> together. Yeah. And so, and so putting myself in a position that I didn't have any of that, it 
forced me to really explore who I was and where my values were and made me hold myself accountable. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to say something to yourself and to actually do it because nobody knows like if you don't, you know, so it's where if you put it, if you say to somebody else, they're going to ask you about it and then you're going to be like, oh shoot, I should probably do that. But, um, you know, and so that self-accountability of like, you have the power to make your life whatever you want it to be. And um, I think that was probably the biggest thing that I gained from that two-way agreement um, to kind of create my own, my, my own life and my own, you know, whatever I wanted. <laughs> and I, I think this leads us to the third choice too, uh, because the, the third critical choice that I made was to build trust mm-hmm. first around building trust in myself. I mean, let's just, I, I had like no trust in myself. So I had to build trust in myself first and then inspire the trust of others. And, and I think what you were just saying around two-way agreements, it, you know, even as a part of you building, I'm putting words in your mouth, but building trust in yourself, but let's just explore this a little bit. Well, how about this? Uh, would you share a time where you, uh, needed to build trust in yourself. Uh, and it could be ex- expanding on what you just shared with us or giving us another example where you, Carly, had to build trust in yourself. Yeah, I think there's two, kind of, kind of to piggyback what I was just um, yeah. mentioning of, um, it, it did take some trial and error. <laughs> um, and I think the first, the first step to building trust with yourself is to really be able to define like what you want or really define what value system you want to live by because if you don't do that like you're not there's no like measuring there's no measurement right so um i think that you know when i first was here i was younger a but um you know everything's exciting and you're just kind of going with the flow and like seeing well at least i was like seeing what was like, what happened, like what the environment was like. And, um, and kind of through some of those experiences, which I'm glad that I did have, I was kind of like, okay, like this is like not so great for me, or this really isn't aligning, or this really isn't like helping where I want to go. So, and eventually it got to the point, And I think this is where the trust building happened was, you know, I want, I want to be here, but you know, my actions are only going to allow me to be like, I want to be at level 10 and my actions are only allowing me to be at level seven. And so, mm-hmm. um, I think recognizing that was a huge piece for my, my building trust in myself and then finding those small actionable things that can help eliminate those, but then also add more value to your life. And that's kind of what I found. And once I saw that return on the investment, I was like, Oh, like this is way better. Like this is, and I feel like I'm able to be where I want to be and go where I want to go because of that. And so that kind of aligned with building trust in, you know, myself professionally, because I then had the opportunity to be in the role that I am now instead of where I started. Um, but I don't think without my personal, like the trust in myself, I would have been comfortable to be like, I can do that. Like, I know I can do this job and I know like, I'm the right person for it because I can clearly sit in front of the people that I had to sit in front of and be like, these are my values and this is exactly what I'm going to do. And so two years later, I think that professionally we've 
come almost all the way around to, you know, what that in those initial conversations were. But um, I think that started just individually. And, you know, as much as I think culturally work is super important to us, you know, you, who you are defines how you operate in that space. And without understanding that, I think that's where some of like the murky waters may come or the challenges in a leadership or something, you know, something along those lines. So um, as much as I think professionally, I benefited, benefited from the building trust in that space, I think it started with my personal with you. Um, trust. Yeah. And uh, isn't that a core part of Bulldog Bill and working with student athletes on identifying their value system? And I have that Right, because I remember yeah. that really driving you and saying, "Hey, it starts with you," and then and so, have you been able to see this kind of manifest itself with these student athletes that you're helping to guide? Yeah, so that that's definitely a core part of or core maybe a baseline would probably be a better baseline. word. So, in a lot of what we talk about, whether it's in our leadership development or it's in our professional development is that idea of, you know, you have to, you have to sit here and tell me what code you want to live by or what value system you want to live by, because that's the only way that I can help you. You know, if you value interpersonal relationships, I don't know that, you know, maybe a, a fully remote role is right for you right now. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's not ever going to be because life changes and evolves. And, you know, that's part of the enduring success is that can that continuation of defining that but you know at that moment right when you're being you know right when you're done being part of a team or right when you um, are freshly graduated and you don't have that fun college environment anymore you know if if you're gonna sit there and say I value interpersonal communication and connection well then we need to like really go off of that because now you're not only going to get into like a value disalignment, but now we have all these other layers of athlete identity and kind of the post playing um, mental health challenges that a lot of student athletes feel and um, really trying to, you know, everyone's going to feel that at some point, but to mitigate what that looks like as much as, you know, we can try as well as giving tools and a baseline to start from. So when they do experience that, like, personal discourse, they at mm -hmm. least have some tools and like, okay, well, I said that my values were this, where is this not present in my life? Or is, have my values changed a little bit? And that's, okay yeah. too. so being able to provide those skills and even the language of like, well, clearly this is why you and so-and-so might be having, you know, some sort of like miscommunication is because mm -hmm. that's, important to them is not important to you you know yeah. so just some of those like really I think impactful conversations and kind of setting the tone of the importance of that and I think we've seen that a lot in um when they're looking for positions or roles um that's something that I kind of always go back to is you know what about this is at the very minimum if, if they don't have it in their company statement like we need to really think about that or, you know, not to say that's not the right place, but now, you know, you need to ask specifically about that because you've identified it as important. And so yeah, that, right. yeah, that goes into the, you know, kind of advocacy and the trust building thing. Like I, this is what I know is important. And so 
I need to trust that I can ask and get the response that is going to be best for me. Mm -hmm. And it helps maybe be a compass. If I'm networking with people, if I'm interviewing, it gives me an, a, an internal personal compass to actually know where to go. Okay. I'm going to take us a step back really quick. Cause I want to grab something before we, before I ask you another question, when you were talking about building trust in yourself and actually that inspires the trust of others, you said making small actions, taking small actions. Do you remember any of the small actions that you took and, or are there any that you take today? Just small actions. Yeah. Um... I I'm making you think here again. <laughs> I think that, I think in the, in the previously, one of the small actions was probably, um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I think re like more recently, one of yeah. you know my trust building small actions would probably be um continuing to kind of check in with myself um because i've identified previously like i can get very ahead and like wrapped up in what i'm doing or you know kind of what's going on which is great because that's a level of commitment right but at the same time i would always you know experience this big like fall off so it was kind of always like an ebb and like high low high low high low of just like energy level. And so I think that now I'm much more cognizant of like, okay, there's been a lot going on and that's great. Like I'm somebody that needs to be busy and I thrive in kind of like organized chaos. Um, but also like making sure that I'm not wasting kind of recharge time in an environment that's not going to like recharge me number one, or it's not going to add any sort of like value if that makes sense. So it does. Um, instead of like maybe going out on, you know, a weeknight or whatever, it's like just taking that little extra time to go on a walk or maybe going on a walk and then going. So there's kind of like a better balance. Um, mm -hmm. That's something that I've really kind of in the last probably year and a half or so, like been a lot more cognizant of. Great. And we could all take that. Yeah. Like in check in with yourself like literally a moment i think that's a small action that if you really do it can change the trajectory of your day and then your week and then whatever so thank you for that all right i'm going to keep going with trust though and i know we need to move forward but i want to keep going here how do you inspire the trust of others my biggest way of doing that is is just being consistent and being consistent and showing up. And I think when people know exactly what they're going to get from you, it's a lot easier for them to trust you. And we all have bad days and we all, we all have, you know, days that we're off or we don't have that like crazy amount of energy or charisma or whatever you want to call it. But I think on a consistent basis to just know that, you know, this is, I'm going to Carly and like, this is what I'm going to get. And so, um, I think that the consistency piece and then, you know, following through and following up with what you say. And that was something that I kind of learned that not, that is harder for some than others, you know, and I don't know if that's because there's a level of fear when you say you're going to do something and you don't exactly know how you're going to do it, but you know, it's possible. 
And then like, you know, some people just don't do it. But um, for me, and I think that goes back to my parents, you know, I said, I have the best support system you could dream of. And that's something that my parents always kind of had told us. And we always saw like embodied was like, just show up even when, even when you might not like a hundred percent feel like it, there's so much power in just being present for people that expect you to be there number one and want you to be there and sometimes when you don't want to do something and you do it you end up being re-energized through that experience Mm -hmm. so um I think really just the consistency point and um and and sharing what your values are with other people and when you're able to do that they know again like they know exactly what they're going to get from you and uh, my friends always give me a hard time like I've avoided telling you this because I know you're going to tell me the truth (laughs) And, but, but they know that, you know, and so that there's a point of trust and a point of trust that it's coming from a place of love and a place of like, I don't want you to feel like this. So I'm telling you what I see from my perspective. Um, But also to be able to hear those things in reverse, I think is really important. And so having people that will tell you the truth, um, just as much as I try to be a truth teller is, uh, is just as important. You show up and you show up consistently. There, there is a, there is a thing if you think about inspiring trust, you know, and how we inspire trust, demonstrating reliability, you know, the repeated experience of expectation set, expectations met. But when you just, and I'm going to say this because I'm going to share this clip with some of the teams that I work with because I want to tie this together here. What you just talked about, uh, I think we all have a personal brand, whether we're cognizant of it or not. Mm-hmm. We have a personal brand. And when we think about expectations, what you just so beautifully articulated is implicit expectations. What is it like to work with or collaborate with Carly? Like every, or be a friend. Like, wh- wh- can I expect, what can I expect from Carly? What is the experience? And you're deliberate, you're purposeful, and you're consistent you know, part of your personal brand, you've laid that out there. And I think that I know that that is a driving force to inspiring trust, both personally and professionally. So thank you for that story. And I'm going to share it. (laughs) I'm going to share this one specifically. (laughs) I'm going to move us to the fourth critical choice. You and I have talked about this, uh, which is creating community and belonging. And we, you and I together, probably have and could spend massive amount of time here. I learned, so how about this? When I was 30, I had created more professional success than I ever, ever dreamed of. Mm-hmm. But I looked around and realized that I was friendly with everyone, friends with no one. I still didn't belong anywhere. And what I realized is in order to belong, I actually had to create, I had to create community and belonging. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us a time in which you felt you didn't belong? Uh, And how did that feel? Yes. Um, I, yeah there's a few times. Uh, (laughs) um, I think the biggest one that taught me the most about the patience in the belonging process Mm -hmm. um, was when I got on my college team. Um, 
we were, I was very different. I came from a different environment, you know, that we had a lot of um, girls on our team that were from um, the Southern region demographic and culturally that's very different than where I was from. Um, Mm -hmm. Just the pace of life was very different in a lot of, um, you know, in the, in the Southern environment from the suburbs of Chicago, you know, it's fast paced. Everyone's got somewhere to be people everywhere all the time. Um, And we were in a small town. And I had never been, I'd never lived in a town that small where, you know, there's like, I don't even, we didn't even have a target. Like that's how small of a town it was when I went there. There was a target like 30 minutes away. Um, And so that sense of belonging was not immediate. Um, And I think that that was hard at first because not only am I like, was I physically being challenged, but I was also not being challenged to be on a team. Or I didn't know anybody. I didn't necessarily have a lot in common, um, or mm-hmm. I thought I didn't have a lot in common um, with my teammates, just because they'd all been there, and you know, where there were some other things that were going on. And um, you know, the the woman that thankfully recruited me to be there was no longer there when I arrived. So we had you know some of that dynamic happening, and um, which you know all again led to such a positive thing. But at first, I was like. like this is this is a lot like I you know and I was really fearful to show who I was because I didn't want to be rejected so to speak um but what ended up happening is my locker mate um and you know one of my closest friends to date like she she really showed me like what that love what that love is and what that sense of belonging can feel like when you allow people to see you. Um, and it took a while, but um, so shout out to Cartesia Macklin. She's yes, thank you. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Cartesia Macklin. She um, you know, she probably single-handedly mm-hmm. showed me that in human form. Um, and that in itself kind of changed my life in so many ways. Um, because she inspired me to want to be able to bring others in similarly to that. So um that was probably one of the most kind of um, challenging experiences. I think, you know, starting something new, like when I moved here, I was from the Midwest. I'm very proud to be from the Midwest and everybody here laughs at me when I say that, but it, so it's like kind of a joke now, but like, I felt that difference again, like a regionally, like what that was like. And Fresno is very Midwestern. There's farms, it's very blue collar, you know, all the things, but you're still in California and (laughs) you know, (laughs) there. you're still in California. So um, I think just that sense of belonging of like, oh my gosh, like I, like people here eat sushi. Like I never had sushi in my life. <laughs> and that's like, you know, that's like what people do. They're like, oh, let's go. Or go Chicago dog. Yeah, I'm like, uh, maybe, you know, maybe not. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that that, that's that sensible, like, you know, belonging was challenging too, but, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think it was different too, because I had a different purpose to be here. And I was more confident in that probably than I was when I got to college and I was like, not the best person on the team anymore. <laughs> Which changed so, the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And finding yourself. Um, I'm going to look for a couple adjectives here or what, what does it feel like to belong? Um, I think my best adjective 
would be like warm Mm. warm just like that that sense of like warm or just like um relaxed or um uh like comfortable uh I think I think those would probably be my and that doesn't always mean that it's like rainbows and sunshine either in my opinion I think a sense of belonging like when you belong somewhere you there's a level of comfort where you are sometimes challenged um but then there's that idea of like when you belong somewhere you're gonna be challenged but you're gonna be supported so that traditional like challenge and support theory of like um that I think is really important too mm-hmm. when you have a place that you belong so uh, are you okay with time? Because I would like to keep going. Yeah, I'm fine. Longing. Okay, because you know what? I don't care if it's longer. I want to keep going with this conversation. When we were prepping, you and I explored mm-hmm. and creating communities and back to what's my value system as an individual and creating my communities where they need to be or, or whatever it might be. Let's explore community and just give me your perspective. We'll just leave it open to, to whatever you want to give here on finding and creating the right community for you. Yeah. Um, it's not always easy. <laughs> That's my perspective. Um, it's not always easy. And I think going into it knowing that it can change is really important too. So um knowing that it can change and it can evolve, but also really considering what you're building it on. Um, and I think that that I learned that a little bit in the hard way. Um, when I first got here, because I was, I was looking for any community, right. And that was a huge part. There was, there's some positives that came out of that. Um, I think anytime you learn something, it's a positive, good or bad. And so, um, you know, when I, when I was first here, I was just like looking for people. I was trying to get the vibe, like what, you know, what is it like to live here? What do people do? What do, you know, what does somebody do like on a Saturday in the middle of the day? Like, you know, that type of stuff. And I was also at a time in my life where I didn't ever have that loose of structure. And Mm -hmm. so through that, the communities that I was engaged with then were, not aligning with my values. And that's where I kind of mentioned previously, like, of, you know, that two-way agreement, like I want to be at a 10 and, you know, my community was really only helping me operate at a seven. And so Mm -hmm. identifying that, and that's really where I started to feel strongly about understanding your values. I think there's a baseline value that you kind of always know about yourself or values that you always know about yourself, but really figuring them out and then applying them in every aspect of your life. And I also think that part of my community building was always very separate where it was like, okay, these people are for this, you know, very, um, very organized in a way of like, when I need to go have fun, I'm going to hang out with these people. When I want to work hard, I'm going to be with these people. When I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to be with these people, you know, and so on and so forth. And what I found for me is that was not allowing me to operate in the most consistent an authentic way because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the strength and the confidence that I really have that is natural to me in all of those environments. 
So then, you know, you, I was getting into this like identity, like ebb and flow of like, oh, I'm, I'm code shifting here or I'm code shifting there. And, you know, I, I do believe that code shifting is inevitable, no matter how authentic you kind of are and confident you are in your life. But um, that, that sense of like separation in my communities was, was kind of eye-opening to me. And when I stopped doing that, I realized that I was being, I was able to grow a lot more and I had much more of a sense of conviction of like, and then it led to trusting myself more. So it was like, no, I'm not doing this. And then the outcomes that I was feeling, whether personally, professionally, you know, physically, what I was trying to achieve, like in the gym or whatever it was, those things were so much sweeter because I was trusting myself and I was making decisions that were going to benefit me and they, and they did. So that was kind of like long-winded that I hit that (laughs) the way that. So thank you. Thank you for choosing to share your perspective on community. The fifth critical choice I made, and you've wrapped us right in here. Uh, For me, it was the fifth choice because I wasn't ready to make it until I made these other choices, which was to choose to give love and to receive love. Now, before I open this up, because I want to riff on this with you, is when I think about embracing our boundless capacity to love, I'm talking about love the action, love the verb, not love the emotion. That's not a choice, but love the action, truly giving and receiving, which manifests in different ways for different people in, in different scenarios. Uh, what do you think about the idea of giving and receiving love the verb? Let's just start with that. Like just what comes up for you when we talk about that? Uh, sometimes it's hard. <laughs> um, sometimes I think the most powerful way that I have felt that um, or that I have experienced that um, in receiving love would be when I didn't know that I that's what I needed. And I'm going to go back to Cartesia because she exemplifies love in, in everything that she does. That's where she operates from. That's where her heart always is. Um, and she's someone that, that she has every reason not to operate from that space consistently. Like, um, and her being able to show me what that looked like when I was uncomfortable, when I didn't know who I was probably was the, is the most transformational thing that I felt when receiving it from a friend. Um, and that looked different, that looked that there was a lot of accountability in that there was a lot of hard conversations, you know, and, and for me, that's all part of love. The verb too is, you know, not always, it's not always just giving somebody a hug or showing up (laughs) for them. Sometimes it's like, Hey, like I've kind of noticed, like, are you okay? Um, or I've kind of noticed like, you have a little bit more of an edge to you lately. Like, are you okay? You know, and it, it's visually, it's being intuitive. And I think some of that is all love the verb too. You know, not necessarily like these grand dress gestures all the time, but um, just, ch- it could be just checking in. And I think that um, for me, you know, in that example, like she not only was always there, but she, there was that level of challenge and support too, that I think, um, showed me what that was. So I think that is kind of my best, um, time of, of receiving it. Um, and, 
it really changed the way because then it inspired me to be like that for other people. So what's an example of giving from you, from you, yeah, you, or, or, or a time of this or a time in which you had to choose. Like I have yeah. to, like I am showing up and I have to choose to give love because it is a choice. Mm -hmm. Is is there a, a time that you would share or just a general observation of what it feels like when you have to choose to give? Yeah, um, I think sometimes that is not always easy, especially when, you know, you maybe just don't have quite the capacity to get there at that moment or whatever that kind of looks like for each individual. But I think that for me, choosing choosing grace and choosing love, um, in the way that, um, I operate is, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know how to explain this, but, um, I, I think it's in like the, it's just in the threads. And sometimes like that can be hard because when, when that is, you know, where you want to operate from, sometimes people aren't ready to receive that. And mm -hmm. so being able to continually live in that way and know that, you know, they might not receive it now, but they, you know, they will, or they'll remember the way that that made them feel and they're going to come back to that. Um, and so I don't know if I can think of an exact. Thing. No, you don't. That, just what you said. Yeah. I mean, literally, when you say that, I think I think about my sister's choice to continuously give me love until the day I chose to receive it by picking up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't stop choosing to give it. Finally, yeah. I chose to receive it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and sometimes I think, yeah, sometimes I think that's hard because that also takes a level of patience. I think when you, when you choose to, um, when you choose love, the action, it is, you have to be patient because everybody mm -hmm. is on their own timeline. And I've probably learned that through, you know, my profession, which is very people oriented yeah. is, you know, that's, you know, that's essentially my job, right. Is to make sure that the individuals that I'm serving are served effectively, right? And their needs are met and their experience is the transformation that it should be. And, yeah. you know, th there's a lot of different, everyone's on a very different spectrum. And so um, there is definitely a level of patience of like, okay, they didn't get that, but I know that, you know, by my standard, that is what should be happening. And, or that is what I should have done in that instance. And they'll, they'll receive it when they're ready. And just knowing, knowing that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's more power in that than I think people realize. So I will wrap us up with this, that, uh, I made, I made these five critical choices and I, I, I said this a second ago for, for me, they were linear, but as you said at the beginning, success is not linear for me. These choices were linear because I wasn't because I needed to go through the process of making a first choice, committing to a two-way agreement, feeling the success that came from that, building trust, feeling the success that came from that, creating community, and finally embracing love. But I believe now with my whole heart of hearts, if we just start with 
choosing to give and receive love, then we would naturally commit to a two-way agreement. We naturally build trust and we naturally create community and belonging. And I believe, and you've shown me this and shown our communities this, that when we make that choice, not only do we create our enduring success, but we help fuel the success of those around us. Because success is not a zero sum game. We can bring all of us up. So Carly, first off, just thank you for choosing to receive what I gave. And thank you for choosing to give all that you have by joining me today and sharing more of you with everybody out there. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. Um, I'm, I'm super excited that you asked me to be on here and um, to just kind of share what you know may, may see, appear to be linear, but it was definitely it was definitely a, a little bit of a, a jigsaw puzzle, and we'll continue to be because that's I think that's kind of how life is. So it's amazing. Uh, congratulations on an amazing, successful bulldog built development program that you're continuing to to do and execute and everybody I'll have Carly's LinkedIn and you'll see her post all the successes and uh, and check us out. So thank you everyone. This is Trish Kendall with the Choose and Become interview series. Thank you for joining me for our Choose and Become interview series. You could find this episode and others at trishkendall.com. Just go to trishkendall.com backslash choose dash become dash interview dash series. Or if you have a question or just want to leave a comment, email me trish at trishkendall.com.